had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, now this is an interesting story because you, you've got a man here, you're imagining in your mind that perhaps he's elderly, he has two sons and you're thinking to yourself, well I am, well he's probably fairly wealthy, this man, and his young son, his younger son comes to him and he says, please divide your wealth and give me my share right now, even though you're still alive, give it to me. Now, now it's interesting because in those days, usually, mostly, it was only the older son who got the inheritance. I, I kind of like that idea because in my family, I'm the older son. <laughs> I remember when I was younger, sometimes I used to fantasise about getting everything that dad and mum own. Problem is, I come from a family of, of pastors and dad and mum really don't own a whole lot. But I used to remind my brothers, you know, if we were royalty, you'd only be princes and I'd be the king. <laughs> There's something about being the oldest. But this young guy, he's got some cheek. He's the youngest, probably not due too much of an inheritance. And he goes to his father and his poor old dad hasn't even passed away and he says, I want my inheritance. And it was an unusual thing, a very unusual thing for those days. But his father granted his wish. He gave him the money. He said, well, if you want your inheritance, here it is. And I want to tell you something. I want you to keep this in your mind. Once you've taken your inheritance, once you've got it, that's it. That's it. You can't go back and get another inheritance because you've already taken yours. And so this foolish young man gets the money from his dad. Luke 11, verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, funny how things work, so his money runs out, a great swamin, famine swept over the land and began to starve, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became that hungry that he even, sorry, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good for him, but no one gave him anything. So I, I, I want you to notice what happens here. This young boy gets his inheritance. First mistake. Second mistake is this. The moment he gets his inheritance, he moves away from the father. It amazes me that as we grow up, we grow up lots of us Seventh-day Adventists. We grow up in homes like I did where there's worship. Oh, I love the worships that my mum and my dad used to lead us in. We'd have singing. We, my dad, you know, can tell the most tremendous Bible stories. Really, our worships were exciting times. I was brought up in a, a tiny little church down in the in Nara there, south of Sydney. I, I think maybe there's only 25, 30, maybe 40 people in that church. But my, my dad and mum would, would take us to church and it was the most wonderful experience being brought up in this little country church. 
We'd go down to the Shellhaven River for lunch and then we'd head back to church for AYs. I don't know whether any of you remember this, but it might be aging myself and dating myself, but we'd sit in the church, little boys at the front for AYs and we'd sing. Oh, we'd sing. I don't know whether I was in tune then. I know I'm not now. It's amazing when you're brought up like that. When you've got an opportunity to experience Jesus, it amazes me how many of us, when we get the opportunity, when our freedom comes, we leave, we leave it, we leave it. It's madness. We leave the, the, the peace and the security and, and the assurance of Jesus and we walk away from the Father. And every prodigal, the one thing they all hold in common is they have walked like this young man did, away, away, away from the Father. And you get away from the Father, the influences that can descend upon you are, are never going to be positive, they're always going to be dark, they're going to be satanic. And this, this man, this young man gets away from the protection of his father. He gets out into the world and the satanic influences descend upon him and he goes partying. And I want to tell you, there are too many Adventist young people out there now partying when they should be full of the Holy Spirit, finishing the work for Jesus Christ. It's a tragedy. Nothing breaks my heart more and makes me want to weep than when I see our young people in the full stride of youth with strength and vigour, their intelligence, their minds will never be sharper. It's a tragedy when they walk away from Jesus Christ. One of the reasons we struggle so much in the Western world and in Australia to see the work go ahead because the very ones that should be leading us, our young people, too many of them, dare I say the vast majority, and prodigals, walked away from the Father into the world. These young people with such incredible gifts could be doing so much for the Lord, have moved away from the Father. And this young boy, you move away from the Father, this is going to be a common experience. This young boy wasted his money, he wasted his life. He wasted the things the Father had given him. He could have used them to advance the glory of God, but he wasted them on himself. I look at some of the most talented young people through the years. Whitney Houston. You know, when she sings Amazing Grace, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Amen? Someone was telling me, I don't know it was Andrew or someone the other day, that when Whitney Houston sang Amazing Grace at the Super Bowl a few years ago, that it is single, singularly seen as the most incredible piece of entertainment music ever sung at the Super Bowl. A prodigal. Elvis Presley. Has there ever been a better voice than Elvis Presley's? You listen to his music, which is directed and honoured God. It is just, have you, have you heard it? Have you heard, who's, who's heard Elvis singing? How good is it? Well, you think of Michael Jackson. All prodigals. All young people with prodigious talents who at one time or another knew God 
and wandered, wandered, wandered. And like so many prodigals, these prodigals never came home. Never came home. And I want to weep for them today. Because when I look at these young people out in the world, many of them from our own church, from our own uh, movement, when I look at them, I just see, I just see, I just see prodigals who could be making such a difference for the Lord. He's feeding pigs. He's a Jew. And you, I don't know whether you can say this in church or not, but you know that that saying, you know, you, if you do something that's silly and they say, well, that would be as popular as what? A pork chop in a Jewish synagogue. Do, do Seventh-day Adventists eat pork? No, no, no. I've never met a Seventh-day Adventist pig farmer, have you? We kind of don't eat pork. We don't touch the things uh, because we follow the Bible requirements when it comes to food. This guy, this young man's a Jew. He is gone, and this is what's always going to happen when you're prodigal. It starts off good. Life is, life is in, you know, you walk away from the Father, uh, you no longer have Him around you. Life can be fabulous. Freedom. I've got money, I'm going to party, I'm going to live it up. But I want to tell you, and I know this from my own experience, that you live this life away from the Father. I know this from my own experience. Eventually you're going to end up in the pig pen. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Oh, oh, oh. If you're out there and you're the prodigal and you're living in the pig pen with the pigs, you're going to be starving. And you're going to be starving for the real food, the only food that really brings satisfaction, and that's Jesus Christ. Oh, I watch people. I'm a watcher. Probably not as much as Lizka watches people. She's a very big watcher. She's Watch out for Lizka. <laughs> she knew more about me than I knew about myself, and we hadn't even been on the first date. <laughs> I, I see them out there, and they're feasting on the things of this earth. I, I, look, I see some of my mates. You know, I'm probably the poorest of all my friends. Well, no, I can think of one guy that's poorer, but I, there's not many poorer than me. I've I got mates who work in New York in the stock exchange, who go on holidays and cruises and own multiple homes and multiple... I watch them on Facebook. I see their, their jet skis and their power boats and their sailboats and their holidays and their cars. Now, there's nothing wrong with all of these things in themselves. But when these things are the things that are feeding you, I see their multiple girlfriends, their multiple wives. I see them running around desperately hungry. And they'll try anything to feed this insatiable appetite that cannot be fed except by Jesus Christ. Except by Jesus and you can be successful and you can have your multiple homes and your multiple cars. You can have your holidays. You can have all these things. You can have multiple girlfriends or wives or whatever. You ain't got Jesus. You got nothing and you are starving hungry. And this boy's starving hungry. And he says, he comes to his senses and my brothers and sisters and those of you watching this online, I appeal to you today, if you are a prodigal, come to your senses. 
Come to your senses. See Jesus. Remember where you came from. The peace, the peace that is there. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants had food enough to spare, and I'm here dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, oh, good move, I will go home. That's the first decision you make. I will go home to my father. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer, this is repentance. Hear this, if you're prodigal, this is a repentant prayer to the Father. And you pray it, he will hear you. Father, pray it. Go to Luke 11. Read the scripture and pray it directly to the Lord. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. This is my prayer today, Lord. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And I love verse 20. It's the key. So he returned to his father. And if you return to the father, he's going to take you. Verse 11. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. And I love this. It makes me want to weep because this is my story. And the father God, Jesus, filled with love and compassion, he ran to the son and he embraced him and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But God ran, God ran to him. God will run to you. God will run to you. God will run to you. And he will run to you while you're a long way off. Hear me. And I'll talk again online for a moment because you're in church, praise the Lord. You don't have to come to the church. Oh, yeah, it's good for you to come to the church. We want you here. But you don't have to come to the church. You don't have to, to experience a turnaround. Yeah, the church is a good place to go to if you want that turnaround. But you don't have to go there to experience it. You've just got to say, Father, here I am. I've turned around, I'm coming, and he will see you from a long, long... You know, I used to read this story and I used to think, well, here's the father, he's out just beyond the front gate of the house and he's looking down, and that's the pictures you see, isn't it? You can kind of see the house behind the father and he's just outside the front gate and he's looking down the road for his son and he sees him off in the distance and then he runs to him. No, no, no. Those stories are wrong. Those pictures are wrong. The moment, the moment you breathe a change of direction, the moment you whisper a prayer to the Father that no one else can hear, He will run to you from a long, long way off and He will walk with you all the way home. And how do I know? Because I've experienced it. The moment I looked at Jesus, the moment I breathed His name, He was there by my side. He had His arms around me. There were tears in His heart, in His eyes. I barely even looked at Jesus and He's saying, Welcome home, Lloyd. Welcome home. Come with me. Now I'm going to take you on the journey. The Father was literally, He was literally in the city next to the pig pen when the boy made the decision to come home. The, the, the Bible says when He was far, far, far away, 
This isn't a um, a hundred meters. That's why I'm saying to you, you don't have to come back to the church straight away. Just make a decision that, that you would like God back in your life. And wherever you are, you know the first time the Lord ever touched me in my youth, I was in a club here in Sydney, a place called Patrick's. I was dancing away, and that's not a good and not a pretty sight. I don't know why I ever went. It just shows how you can lose it when you leave the Lord. I was in a club, and this girl dances up, and I thought, well, she's not too bad. And we're dancing. She said, you don't know me, do you? I said, no. And she said, I'm not such. This was a girl from my school and my childhood. And she looked at me. I'm in a club, and God visits me. And she says, what are you doing here, Lloyd Grolleman? It was almost as though the Lord had spoken to me himself. What are you doing here? I responded that night to the Lord. And the moment I responded in that smoke-filled Beer drenched. These are the days when they were still smoking in clubs. The moment I responded, Jesus walked into that club. Hallelujah. And he tried to take me home. Took him another year or two before I finally responded. But the point I'm trying to get to you is that no matter where you are today, you can have committed the most heinous Awful sins, no matter where you are, no matter, hear me, no matter where you are, you breathe a prayer to Jesus. You just even turn a part way around to go home and he is there. He will take you. The things that, that you've done that, that, that when they're brought out in the full light, would make you ashamed of yourself, the sins you've committed. Jesus just brushes them aside and grabs you and says, I'm glad you're home, I'm glad you're home. And you know what? We here at New Hope, we're followers of Jesus Christ and you come home, we're going to say the same thing to you. We're glad you're home, amen? We we don't care what the sin is. You're a sinner and you're looking for Jesus. I'm telling you, you come to this church. We'll welcome you. And we'll walk with you with the Father as you come home. And the story ends here, and I love it, verse 22. And I wonder if our singers can come forward as I read this verse and finish up. But his father said to the servants, so the boy's home, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals. For his feet. Kill the calf. They're not vegetarian. <laughs> Unless it was a vegetarian calf, Andrew. <sighs> Kill the calf. We've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Jesus puts a robe on him. Oh, I wish I had more time today for that. That's Jesus' sinless perfection. He says, this boy comes home. I don't want to look at any of these, but I'll pick on Praveen. This boy comes home and he smells like a pig. Not you, Praveen, but... (laughs) He smells like a pig. Uh, In fact, let me... He's dressed in 
rags. He smells like a pig. He looks like a pig. He hadn't been to church for a long time. Walk into the church, people hold their nose. What are you doing here? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's a boy that's come home. And too many of our girls and our boys come home smelling and looking like pigs and too many times, too often, the church treats them like what? God forbid. You come into you come to church one day and you see someone there who's obviously been out in the world and far from God. Don't you turn your nose up and don't you block your nose and walk away. You go up to them and you give them a hug in their smelly clothes and all and say, welcome home. Amen. Amen. Well, this father, he takes off his robe. It's his perfection. It's his character. He doesn't say you smell like a piggy, you look like... He, he just takes that robe off him. I'm going to preach a sermon on this soon. And he puts on a new robe. It's a robe of the king, of the master of the house. And he puts on a ring. You know what he's done? He's given the boy back his inheritance when he puts that ring back on. He spent it, now he's given it back to him. He put sandals on his feet. In those days, only the masters of the house wore the sandals. And he says, welcome home. I think we've all been prodigals at one stage or another. Most of us know what it is to walk away from the Lord. Come home. Come home. There are churches like ours that are waiting to welcome you home. But even if you can't find a church like New Hope, God's there. And he'll put his arms around you. And he'll take you all the way to eternity.